Uh, I, I appreciated Pastor Bill starting off with, uh, with a beef, you know, a complaint about the whole, like the, the weather thing and how people handle it and stuff like that. Cause I have my own complaints and I intend to start off with them too. It's one of those Sundays where we're just going to get things off our chest. The pastors are going to vent a little bit this morning. No, not really. I am sick, absolutely sick of reward programs being offered to me every time I go to a register. Anybody feeling me here? I just, in the course of a week, I feel like I've gotten a gazillion opportunity. I mean, if I had a wallet big enough to handle all the cards they're offering me to carry, right? From coffee to, you know, gas to clothing to all of those kinds of things. Now, if you're in retail and you're tasked with asking that question, I am not picking on you. You're doing your job and you're doing it very, very well. Like nauseatingly so, you're doing it very well. So I admire your tenacity. It's like... It's like um, cold calling in the evening phone calls, right? You, you, you feel, you know, you don't, maybe don't feel terrible hanging up, but you're just going, man, what a living that people are slugging it out. It's like, you keep going. No, I'm not interested in your product. I'm not saying I'm going to sympathy buy, but way to go. Keep making those cold calls. But anyway, so I am absolutely tired of member rewards cards. And, uh, like I said, just, they don't have much. I want to give out my email. I am always failing to, we have one for the movie theater. We got it years and years ago. You can tell by looking at it. And I always forget to take it out and apply my points. And at the movie theater, you desperately want to do that because you know you're getting raked over the coals for costs and things like that. So give me a little perk, a little reward, and I always forget to take my card out. So the, the whole member reward thing doesn't really work for me. But as a society, I get why we have it. The more we move in our cultural evolution, if you will, the more fine-tuned, the more introspective, the more everyone's catering to our needs. The world is kind of giving us the appearance that they, they exist to reach you. They exist to welcome you and they exist to cater to your needs. And so we get that. We're used to that. It's almost, you know, the kind of thing we don't even realize how much it's creeped into our existence. Now, an issue arises in church culture if all of a sudden that same mindset walks through these doors. If we walk through the door saying, I'll join your thing, I'll entrust myself to your group or your clique or whatever, but what's in it for me? And then, and if we're being, you know, honest here, the leadership, we're sometimes kind of like, you know, we, we offer this membership thing and we talk about getting involved and we put these things on the screen. And sometimes we don't really know, are people getting enough out of this as though somehow we need to offer you rewards points. We get tempted because people are involved. We're sinful people as well. And we start feeling this pull of like, you know, people, you just expect one of these times for someone to say, what is your membership offering me? Because the church down the street, they got a good deal going and I'm flirting with joining them. But if you can up the game a little bit, maybe I'll come back and be with you. Now it sounds silly in a church culture and a church context for today. But if we think about how much of that is happening to us and, and quite honestly, how much we're buying into out there, Let's just pause and say there's a good chance I bring some of that mindset and mentality into my participation with my local church as well. Just go that far with me for now, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we continue to go. We have been working through a series throughout the year just here and there on what makes a church healthy. 
And this series of messages is focused on how we handle the word of God, what we believe about the word of God, how we preach the word of God in its totality and expositionally. And we uh, always use the phrase here at faith. We let the Bible interpret the Bible. So we're approaching the scriptures with balance. And we also said it's important for a healthy church to have a handle on what the gospel really is. The fact that you and I were born broken, flawed and sinful. We aren't just born innocent and then we got down a wayward path. But we, that wayward path started right from the beginning. But the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ came and kind of interrupted that pattern and that flow and confronted us with his life-saving truth. And so we have the opportunity to respond to that. Healthy churches keep that as their overall goal and mission in everything we do. How does the gospel show up in this? How does the gospel change our lives? Not just that one time I made a decision and five years ago I've been living off that one prayer and I haven't gone very far. But how do we as humble followers of Jesus Christ remain uh, or allow the gospel to keep wrecking our lives, our agendas, the things that get in the way. And then we also talked about what biblical conversion really looks like and, and how if we are transformed on the inside, then the church takes on a new transformation. And then eventually, ultimately, our community takes on a transformation because of the impact that the gospel has. So in the spirit of these messages about what makes a church healthy and the fact that we're getting ready to launch our next steps uh, membership process, for lack of a better term at the moment, I thought it would be important for us to talk about a healthy biblical view of church membership to help us understand what is what is the Bible talking about? Where does the Bible really address membership? What is the church asking of me? How do I how do I marry the two? What am I supposed to do? How do I participate in this? And hoping that this is an exercise for all of us to know what our next level of commitment is. Now, this mindset that we often have because the world is catering to us, as we said, can easily creep into the church. I, I blew the dust off an old video. We showed this maybe four or five years ago. And I thought, uh, you know, slightly on the corny side, but a little bit effective to talk about what we're hoping to provide or hoping to challenge the church of, of, of faith with is a membership or a participation that goes beyond what we feel like we need catered to us. And I think this video illustrates where we hope to be going, where we're asking the Lord to keep us on track with going. So let's watch this. And in a couple minutes, we'll continue with our outline. All right. So pretty clear contrast there. I, uh, I, I think that the problem of what we could call consumerism, church participation is not just a current issue. It's not just a modern problem. We're good at blaming the current generation, right, for all of our ills and all this kind of stuff. There, there's a, a thing that I saw growing up creeping into the church that I thought might be our own version of a rewards program or a punch card or something like that. And that was um, when we used to do fundraisers for things, you know, if we needed new hymnals in the pews, we would do fundraisers and to make it more palatable or or something that people could enter into we'd say a cost per hymnal is you know fifteen dollars or something like that and then the the extra step we took or if it was raising money for new pews you know a pew is you know two hundred and fifty dollars or it's um you know however much per foot or something along those lines and so to just to make it practical and something we could dive into but then we couldn't help ourselves as church leadership we being just churches in general and going if you donate this your name shows up inside the cover of the hymnal donated charitably by, you know, Brent Small, 
I never bought a hymnal. So I'll just pretend like I lived that life. I never paid for a pew, but I would love to have seen my, my name on the end, this pew donated by, right? And we go, well, that's kind of classic. That's traditional. It shows ownership and it shows participation. Absolutely. It does all those things. But remember, we are easily tickled. We are easily drawn into what's in it for me. And what ends up happening is the more our name shows up on things or the more recognition we get for the role that we take, it starts almost turning into a, like a points reward system. You step this far and we'll be sure to pat you on the back. And so this isn't just a modern problem. This isn't just an issue, but we've been building this culture slowly in the church through those kind of light examples for a long period of time. And if a church isn't careful, it will feed into that. It'll look for the most prominent members of our society to come in and join us. And all of a sudden, if they've got the job title or they've got the money or something, all of a sudden we're starting to feel a little bit like, okay, things are picking up at faith. This is great. How do we, you know, pet that person's back or stroke their ego so that they feel like, okay, this is my church. We have to be careful. And what gets a church back on track from that or what keeps a church on track is a healthy understanding and a practice of membership. So let me answer a question some of you may have. Is membership in the Bible? Is there a verse that says thou shalt have four Wednesday nights consecutively month, you know, once a month that takes people through a process with video uh, assignments and covenants to sign and those kinds of things or any other way that churches do membership? The answer is no, it's not there. There's no thou shalt do any of those things. And in fact, joining in terms of an official sign on the line kind of membership thing, you won't find it in the Bible. So often I hear people say, well, I don't believe memberships in the Bible. And you're absolutely right. So let's look at it this way, because we're going to approach some of this, obviously, from a biblical standpoint, but also from a practical standpoint. Um, the Lord in his word has said that we need to be faithful stewards with money. Right. So that's a clear you can find all kinds of things. And then you look at Proverbs, there's all kinds of wise ways to do that, foolish ways to handle money. You can do all of those things. So the minute that a church adopts a budget, does that mean that they're being unbiblical? Because there's no such thing as budgets in the Bible. You know, Solomon never said, if you're going to be a wise steward of finances, you're going to break down your budget this way and you're going to cross the, you know, crunch the numbers this way. It's specific. So I would make the distinction of this. There's a difference between being unbiblical, which is in direct violation of God's will. That's sinful. And then there's just to kind of, I don't know if I'm inventing this phrase, but it just makes sense to me. Or there's non-biblical. Things that are not contrary to God's word, but are not necessarily specifically mentioned in it, which is a, a slew of things, a ton of things that we do day to day that are not mentioned in the Bible, but guided by biblical principles that inform us that we're on track with doing what the Lord would call us to do. Is membership in the Bible? No, not this modern or Western interpretation of go to the classes and sign on the line. So we readily admit that. Faith takes the practical approach of membership for two major reasons. One of them is organizational. We have uh, founding members of the church. There was a charter that was started. There's bylaws. There's constitution, all, all those kinds of things. There's rules that we have in place that, you know, people vote. And so the congregation still has uh, this approval mechanism and process, even though it's led by pastors and elders and things. 
So it works for us. It's efficient for us. It makes sense. It helps us to, to be organizationally prudent. But there's also this relational commitment that happens for you and I individually when we entrust ourselves to something bigger than us. And specifically, so I'm not just being vague here, but specifically when we enjoin ourselves to the body of believers in our local context, something relationally happens that we don't get anywhere just being floating out there on our own. Some of you are picking up that I might be confusing terms, so I'll be, I'll be making this specific here. I want to get into this area of why should we join a church and what I'm going to use from this point forward, instead of joining a church, please understand what I just admitted that scripturally speaking, it isn't about membership classes and signing a covenant. What the Bible talks about is making yourself accountable to a local body of believers that the, the ecclesia, the called out ones are the ones where the authority has been given and the functions been happening and stuff. And there's authority and there's, there's service and there's all these kinds of things taking place so that even the apostle Paul himself, and I'm convinced of this though, he's never told me personally, the writer of the majority of the new Testament, if he walked through these doors would not come in here and say, look, I'm the apostle. Let me do whatever the heck I want. I think what Paul would do because of all that he wrote about the authority of the church and the practice thereof, he'd say, let me talk to the leaders here and let me see what they would permit me to do. Of course, if we knew it was the apostle Paul, we could probably tell by the garb and the sandals. But if we knew it was the apostle Paul, it's like, have free reign, man, you run spirits in you. You're going to, you know, this is great. But he would submit to a local authority in that sense, being an apostle even because he helped pen the rule book, if you will. I believe this to be true in our practice of what it means to be a part of a local church. So we, what we have to understand is that joining a church is really more about our commitment and, and our accountability to it. Faith in particular uses an actual membership model in order to accomplish this. I'm going to read several passages of scripture from, from Jesus himself. This is coming out of the book of John. It's putting a few verses together here and there. I'm just going to read through them. I want us to pick up on a repetition. I want us to pick up on a pattern. He says this in John beginning in chapter 14. He says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. You see the pattern here. Whoever's keeping the commandments is, I'm kind of giving it away here. He's saying is proving that he's the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. He, he digs even deeper. He says, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. He continues in another place. You are my friends. If you do what I command, he says, now that you know these things, you're blessed. If you do them, why am I kind of putting these verses right here, right now, because we have a tendency to look at something like this, this kind of stepping forward and submitting to an authority or becoming a part of a bigger organization than ourselves or, or, or following the lead of the Lord on a grander scale. We say, look, isn't it enough that I've ascribed to the fact that I believe these things to be true? Isn't it enough that I, I'm, I'm a believer with all of these people? I mean, I say I believe in Jesus. I love the music. I hear the word. I do my thing and stuff, but just don't challenge me. Don't bother me to do anything deeper than that. Allow me to control my relationship and, and stop it where I want it to stop. Jesus is saying that the things that we do are directly a result of our love for him. I'm, sp I'm not saying that in order to love Jesus, you have to become a member of Faith Evangelical Free Church. I'm simply making the connection that Jesus does. 
If you love me, it will show up in what you do. And what we're going to be talking about in membership all going forward is our participation, our service, and our action, taking ownership in this uh, pursuit. The, the scriptures did not say that this was for salvation, but instead because of salvation. So one of the major reasons why we should consider joining a church, why we really need to entrust ourselves to a local body of believers is to assure ourselves that this whole thing that we claim we believe is real. If you're Superman or Superwoman and you can state things you believe and it doesn't really show up in your life and you never doubt that, you know, I don't know how you function because I, I claim I believe in a lot of things. And I practice most of those things I say I believe. And then all it takes is for me to get wayward on a couple things, not see it all the way through. And all of a sudden I go, man, I'm not even really sure I'm committed to this. I'm, I'm not sure God could even use me. I, I don't even know if I'm serious enough to even do anything for him. And my commitment and my trust that I'm even walking in the faith and accepted by his love and all this, I get all human about it. Because I've disconnected myself from the bigger picture. I've disconnected myself from what he's called me to do. And so one of the aspects of joining in to the life and the, and the flow of your local church is to assure yourself that, that yes, I say I believe these things. So therefore it is showing up in the way that I carry out his commands. And we see this over and over in scripture and in church history that the local church is the best place for us to funnel that through, to exercise that walk and to see where it takes us. Another great reason to, uh, to join the church is to help expose false gospels. Now, let me explain this for a second here because we know that there's a perception of Christianity outside these walls and sometimes within that the Lord never uh, has spelled out in the scriptures that as people have failed to carry out the mission perfectly, or as people just have bugs up their noses because they're not going to submit to a God who's a higher authority, all that kind of stuff, all kinds of things foster into this idea that the church is this and they're this. And I don't like those people because they believe this and they say this. We've had all kinds of things said about faith as many other Bible believing Bible practices, practicing churches have had said about them. One of the opportunities that we have in participating in something bigger than ourselves and, and giving ourselves over to the practice of the local church is that together we help combat all of that error that's help happening out there. 100% of the time, absolutely not. But if you think you can go out there and do it individually because you know you're not connected and you're sort of out there on your own and stuff, you, you've understood already that it just doesn't work. That, that the reputation of the church, or even more importantly, the reputation of the gospel of Jesus Christ is better seen through an, a, a mindset or a presence of a collective body. I think the old adage is like, all of us can do, uh, yeah, I'm going to blow it. All of us can do more than one of us can do or something. I don't know, but it's bottom line, right? All of us, you know, I don't have all those cool slogans. I need whiter teeth and cooler hair to be Joel Osteen. I haven't, I haven't figured all that out yet. So, but if I smile afterwards, you'll be like, he's got it. I just need to believe that this week. We have the opportunity to push back a false understanding, a false gospel of what Jesus is really uh, here doing on this earth. You know, one of the things that we've done for the last year or so is we've set out on our mission to, to grow the church and to be more present in our community is we have intentionally done certain things that are not so gospel heavy, 
Um, not because we're ashamed of the gospel or not because we're embarrassed to say the name of Jesus in public, but because people's perception is, yeah, I know you want to preach to me. That's pretty much, yeah, I know you want me to come to your church. That's a given. I get that. But do you care about the fact that my shoes are falling apart? Do you care about the fact that, you know, we can't pay our rent and all that kind of stuff? And so we do things in the community simply so we can practically meet the needs of people so that they might go, okay, maybe all that I heard about this church is not as crazy as I once heard. I know that they're supposed to get everyone's social security numbers through the, when they walk through the door. That's, that's what that church on KMD does. I don't, have you ever heard that? Cause we have, it was like five or six years ago or something like that. Everyone's like, yeah, you know what they do when you go through the doors is they make sure they get, that they get your social security number. And so there's all this, I mean, just as an example, it's just these things that float out there that when you and I show up and meet needs in a practical way, they go, well, all right, I know you might think that, and that might be your truth, but that's not how they taught, they, they treated me. Those people weren't like that to me. You and I have the opportunity by being a part of something collectively moving for the glory of God to change opinions. Also, another great reason to consider this and to move forward in this is to build up the church, to edify the church. Now, let me say the most controversial statement you've never, ever heard in your life. The church isn't for you. Yeah, you're going, yeah, I know that. You guys say it all the time. People did not show up at 6.30 this morning to get the lights on or to get the guitars plugged in or get their voices warmed up or get the nurseries opened up or the air conditioning slash heat going, depending on where you are in the building this time of year. People did not show up to do all those kinds of things or study sermons throughout the week or get lessons prepared or lead small groups so that you and I could walk in here and have a good experience. It wasn't so that you and I could walk in and feel like I had a good Sunday. I feel fulfilled today. I feel like God came and met with me today. If that happens, we're not opposed to that. We're not trying to like crank the heat up so you sweat in buckets or do terrible, terrible job teaching your kids because so we can go, well, that's what suffering's like. You know, in the third world, they don't have air conditioning. It's okay for us to enjoy our time together. It's okay for us to be okay being here, to like the music, to like the, uh, I was going to say the preaching, but that's a little presumptuous, to like the uh, other things that are going on or the coffee or something like that. But understand that none of those things should have been done or started or invested in so that you could have a great experience. Ultimately and ideally, that was the joke about the melting faces off in worship, in worship, but ultimately and ideally, all of our motivation should be because we want to bring glory to the one who saved us. We do that by doing the absolute best job we know how to do with the resources that we have. We want to go full tilt on everything that we can do well for the glory of God, but not so that we sell some experience or we scratch some itch so people feel personally tickled or fulfilled. Instead, what we want to do is that it's that difference between that cruise ship and that battleship is this thing moving in a direction that people go, I got to get on board with that now because that has purpose. That has meaning it's going somewhere. This whole cruise thing is just doing this and bringing me back. And then after I'm back to reality, I said, man, that was a really great vacation. I wish I could go back there. So who can I manipulate to get me some more of that? And that's what we do with a cruise ship mentality. The church isn't for us. And that, that notion often shows up in our, our guardedness. I'm not really ready to minister to other people. I'm not really ready to, to give of myself in that way. I just kind of want to slip in. I want to 
I want to affiliate myself with them, but not carry the load. As part of our membership process here, we have a covenant, as I've mentioned, and that covenant is made up of three commitment statements that have, you know, some teaching and some scripture and stuff attached to it that we don't have the time to go into. So I thought what I would do is, is share those three commitment statements to give you a preview of them and to remind you why we found these to be important enough to put in. Uh, these are not adopted from like the Evangelical Free Church of America or anything like that. These were carefully guided based on the personality and the DNA of our particular church and also what we believe uh, the Bible would say is sort of the bare minimums of things that we should be holding ourselves accountable to. Commitment number one from the covenant says, I will protect the unity of my church by one acting in love towards others, not waiting till I feel love and stuff, but acting in love, doing the act of service Two, not participating in gossip and stopping it where I find it. Why is that one highlighted amongst other sins? Because it's so particularly cancerous to the life of the church. Pastors have job security for, for decades to come because every generation is guilty of the temptation and the practice of gossip. We do it over and over again. It's so much easier to tear somebody down in private than it is to go and confront them in love or to tell somebody, stop doing that. They're not here to defend themselves. We could have a whole side sermon on this. We don't have the time. And number three, following the leaders of faith and submitting to their authority. Really? Doesn't that sound cultish? So if they say, wash my car, I got to go wash the pastor's car. Well, if you want to glorify God, you do. You know, we, that's how we feel like, well, if I say I'm going to do that, then they're going to just take advantage. And some churches do, don't they? We see abuses of it all the time. And faith is not immune to the temptation to abuse that privilege. That's why the congregation has that final authoritative approval of, is this really going in the godly direction that the Bible intended? Because if it's not, we got to clean some house. So the church can still do that, but under the guidance of of people that have been called to the office of pastor, that have been called to the role of elder, that are serving in different uh, functions of authority, trusting in the fact that God might have shown up to give these particular people vision and clarity. And the fact that part of it is it's our day job to obsess about some of these things. So we're already been thinking about it for a long, long time. And for you to have the comfort, we can trust what's going on with the leadership here because it's done in concert. It's done with, with wise counsel. It's not just one person's personality overtaking the whole thing. The, uh, the author Mark Deaver wrote a book that I've been using loosely as an outline for a lot of these messages because he wrote a book on what makes a church healthy. And in that book, uh, he says this, and I, I love this quote, and I'll try to, to get through things a little quicker here. He says, do you understand you're following Christ fundamentally to involve how you treat other people, especially other people who are members in your church? Have you covenanted together to love them? And have you given yourself to that? When's the last time you stepped back and said, what am I giving to my church? And you might be thinking, I'm saying you got to become an usher now or you got to whatever. And that all those things are true. We, we put those needs out there. We want you to know. But, but really thinking about the unity based on that first commitment in the, in the uh, covenant, what am I giving that, that encourages the unity of my church? It's a conscious effort. It's a, it's a conscious commitment. Or do you claim to know the truth of Jesus? Yeah, I believe all that, but think that you can remain isolated and guarded. I don't necessarily need to invest in it, but if I just tell them I believe it, that should be good enough. Let me get to another commitment here. 
uh, in the covenant. It says, I will share in the responsibility of my church by one praying for its health and growth. Not very controversial there. Inviting those whom God presses upon my spirit to join in fellowship with other Christians and welcoming those who attend. You know, one of the simple little practices that we've kind of gotten away from, Pastor Ben, maybe we can remind each other to get back to this is having people shake hands once in a while and everything. Because once people get in the big room and you see lots of faces, everybody instantly feels like the, the, uh, the stranger in the room. I'm not reaching out and saying hi to them and everything. And some of us have been here for years and years and still are thinking like, I'm new here. I don't know people. And so part of the membership process is to get us to have that ownership, that buy-in. says, well, this is my church too. And someone else might be walking through those doors who don't know anybody. I met a couple of people already here that have been here for a week or two. or And then sometimes I'm embarrassed when I say, hey, we haven't met yet. And they're like, yeah, I know. I've been going here five years. You haven't even looked at me. That happens. You know, big enough church, couple services, real busy, all that kind of stuff. And it happens. But I told the Lord, I said, Lord, no matter what an idiot I look like, I want to stick my neck out and be willing to look like an idiot so that person doesn't get passed over again. Would you covenant is what the, the pastor, the author of the book is saying. Would you covenant to do the same? If it's not your church, you won't. Why should you bother? Why would I do the uncomfortable thing of looking like an idiot? Because I don't know somebody. You see, that's the difference in the mindset. One of the most po- uh, popular passages of scripture on this topic about uh, joining the church and being active in it and everything is from Hebrews 10. And it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think one of the bottom lines here in this is that membership, the true balanced practice of membership builds ownership in the life of a church for us personally, for me, instead of a, what do I get out of it mindset? I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how is this thing going to survive? How's it going to move forward? How's it going to be successful? It builds ownership. And instead it moves away from that cruise ship mentality. That's the affiliation. It's the rewards perks. It's what am I getting out of it? And so that process is supposed to foster that buy-in for us. Another thing that I would say, and this is kind of last here, is that, that uh, the opportunity that membership gives us is to bring glory to God. We, we teased a little bit about, you know, if you want to bring glory to God, wash the pastor's car. And I still believe that to be true, just for the record. So uh, I think Jesus is in that. So um, especially if you apply wax, because I don't know how to do any of that. So it needs it badly. Um, but really we could say that about anything. If you want to bring glory to God, go sweep the parking lot. If you want to bring the glory, you know, and all that kind of stuff, we can manipulate that. But I really, the reason why I really believe in my, in my core, that the process of getting more ingrained in the local church, uh, does a lot for giving glory to God is because we are, we are presenting something that catches people off guard. Let me see if I can explain this a little bit in First uh, Peter 2. Let's see if Peter can explain it. We'll put the onus on him. He says, keep your behavior excellent amongst the unbelievers, against the, amongst the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. 
So we talked about this a little bit. We said for some of these efforts in our moving to 750 campaign and the things that we might, you know, we host a movie in the front lawn or, or maybe, you know, a really cool thing I've been meaning to mention is the simplest thing in the world for us to do. I was in the uh, drive-through line at Dunkin' Donuts. And if this is you, thank you. But several months ago, I was in the drive-through line, you know, ordering a non-fat veggie wake-up wrap, probably. All the staff's like, oh yeah, right. You probably had two like, you know, bagel sandwiches and... Anyway, uh, and, and, uh, I got up to the window and someone, you probably had this happen to you. Someone said, Oh, the person in front of you covered your, your bill. So then I'm like, okay, do they go to my church? I don't recognize that car. I'm watching them drive away. They're at the stoplight. I'm trying to catch up and be like, you know, try to wave and thank them and everything. But you know, instead I did the pay it forward thing. And I was like, Oh, sweet. I said, this is fun. Who's behind me. And they, I said, how much is the one behind me? It was twice as much as mine, (laughs) but I'd already stuck my neck out. And I just kind of teasingly said to the, to the person at the, in the window, I said, let's see how long we can keep this going. It probably died in a car or two, but, but you know, as a simple gesture of something that starts, I know it's the whole pay it forward and the world can imitate that. I get all that. But when we do this under the guidance and the power of Jesus Christ, affording us the opportunity to share with people the hope that we have lying within us, what we start to do is we start to change the opinions of how people thought we were. It says, if they're going to slander you and pick on you as evildoers, catch them off guard with the fact that you're not doing evil to harm them or against them so that they go, oh. I didn't see that coming. These are the things that you and I are able to do collectively with each other. We're able to do as a church. Yes, we are to do them and can do them individually. But imagine the momentum and the power as an organization bigger than ourselves is continuing of that with that growth. The last commitment in the covenant says this. I'll serve the ministries of my church by using my gifts and talents when and where needed I want to emphasize that word needed. I love the fact that that was included in the covenant instead of when and where demanded like, well, I want to sing. So put me on the team. You know, that's, that's my gift. I want to be used in that way. So you got to use me because I signed the covenant, but it says when and where needed. Maybe Gus is going to be like, no, I'm not ready for that yet. I don't even know how to help that. There's ways in which the ownership that comes instead of trying to say, this is an opportunity for my needs to be met. What does the church need of me? What does the environment that I'm in need of me? And how can I serve that? Pursuing spiritual growth through learning and application and seeking out community with other believers of faith in which to minister and be ministered to. So if membership can actually accomplish these things that we've outlined, and I believe it can, but good membership, if the practice of it can accomplish those things, I really do believe it's an opportunity for us to see it as a gift instead of an obligation. We ought, we ought so commonly look at membership as that's the thing I should really just do. Why am I putting it off? Why am I, instead of seeing it like this is an opportunity for me to grow together with my local body of believers. Faith as a church is always going to strive to find new and creative ways to engage its people. That's our privilege. It's, it's fun for us to do. It, it, it kind of, you know, scratches our creative itch and all that stuff. We get to do that. We love to challenge and motivate and everything. That's our privilege, but it's also our responsibility and our calling. But faithers, that's all of you, also need to strive to always practice living in community with their brothers 
and sisters. That's your privilege and that's your responsibility. A few weeks back when some of the announcements were zipping by on the screen, I made the announcement, I made the comment about, you know, if you missed that email address or you didn't get that phone number, we're, we're sorry. You can contact the office or look it up. Perhaps it's in the bulletin. We're getting, trying to get better at making sure all that communication's out there. But then I threw in this quick little jab, if you will, because we believe it to be true. The people that want to plug in, find a way to do it. We spend a lot of our time as a staff talking about how do we reach the people on the fringe? How do we reach the people that are trying to hide behind the shrubs? And I don't want them to see me and everything. We're trying to figure out because we know the experience is for everybody. And it's a good growth thing. And it's a benefit and a blessing to people. But some people just don't want to be found. Other people don't want to stay in the shadows. Other people won't be ignored or denied. And so we've had people here for months that we feel like we've known for years. And we have people there that have been here for years that we feel like we don't even know yet. And there's a difference there. And sometimes people say, well, it's not clear on how I need to get started. So we come up with a thing like starting point, And then, you know, sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. People still say, well, that didn't work for me. The point is this. On a battleship, you find the mission. You ask the commanding officers, what do you need? All hands on deck. And then there's some of that where the commander can't be looking over your shoulder. You have to intuit some of the next steps. We're challenging you to be willing to do that. What has God called you to be a part of here at Faith? And are you giving yourself to that endeavor? Is this your church as well? Or are you feeling like you're a little bit on the cruise ship and hoping that we have the towels ready to go and the steak prepared just right? We are blessed at faith to have an army of participants. We are blessed at faith to have a whole slew of people getting the work done. Our rosters have great teams, our teaching rosters, our worship team rosters, our small group leaders, all these, we have all of that, but we, we still have lots and lots of room with lots and lots of people still to find a place to get involved. And we're challenging you to do that. Our sign up sheet for starting point is out there in the entryway, as you saw in the announcements, next steps is the overall kind of umbrella of our path towards membership here at Faith. Starting point is specifically designed for you if you're new or you haven't really engaged in the life of, of faith, if you've been coming for years and we don't know you yet kind of thing, or you know you've been kicking the tires on membership and need to do it. Starting point is designed for you to jump in, be challenged about what the gospel says to you personally, how you respond to that, evaluate where you stand with the Lord, but also kick the tires a little bit on faith. And if you say, okay, that's all I needed and I'm out, it's designed for you to, to bail after that one class on Wednesday night. But we would encourage you to take the next step to go towards finding out what spiritual disciplines are for in the life of the believer. And then from there, going into the service opportunities and the specific giftings that you have uh, to be involved in the, uh, the battleship atmosphere. And then lastly, in month four, we'll be covering the, uh, the sharing of your faith and the, the extending of the mission to bring more people into the kingdom of Christ. Those four months are going to be in repetition. So class one, two, three, and four, the third Wednesday of every month. And so if you miss one along the way, wait for the next one to come around and say, I missed number three. I got to jump in at number three and then I can continue to number four and that sort of thing. 
participate, join in, move all the things that you can in order to, in order to engage in this. I think Pastor Ben's going to lead us through a great exercise and lead us to a deeper level of commitment. And he's going to, and, and the Lord's going to do some great things uh, in our church through it. We're getting ready to dismiss. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this. This is advanced Sunday. We're going to ask our ladies to stay in here for a few minutes. We're going to ask the men to go to the hub. Uh, if you're new to faith, we do this once a month. We try to end on time, which again, I did not. And so they're going to be throwing darts at me. But we ask our ladies to stay behind because our women's uh, ministry director is going to come. Michelle, she's got some specific words to throw at you. And then um, Russ Roderick's going to help out the guys in the hub. So please find your places as quickly as possible. Let's close our time in prayer. Lord God, I thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for being faithful to us, Lord. Use us as a body to do great things for your kingdom, for the city, the greater area of Waterville, to do the things, Lord, that you've called your church on this earth to do. Help us to use these tools, these mechanisms, these things that, that we create to try to honor you. Help us to use them to great effect. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your faithfulness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.